I'm telling you folks today, I don't care if you're young, I don't care if you're middle-aged or old, you've got to resolve. You've got to make up your mind that you're going to draw the line in the sand and that I'm not going to, I'm going to view, I'm going to view every decision that I make, every action that I do, I'm going to view it through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to view it through God's word and, if, and whatever God's word says, no matter what my emotions say, no matter what my feelings say, no matter what culture says, no matter what society says, no matter what the world says, I'm going to view it through the lens of the gospel and I'm going to make up my mind that this is what I'm going to do, and that's it. It is so good to see you this morning. It really is, and uh, we're going to continue. We want to continue to honor our fathers but not only to honor our fathers, but we want to, uh, I want to share something this morning that God has laid on my heart. And, uh, but this message or this thing that I'm going to talk about, the, sh- the story I'm going to share, applies to every one of you. It applies to every one of us, no matter if you're young, if you're old, if you're middle-aged, if you're uh, male or female, if you're uh, uh, whatever, it applies to every person in this building. And I've entitled this message, A Father's Resolve. And I don't know if that's such a great title, The Father. Maybe I should title it A Person or an Individual's Resolve. And what I want to share about, we've been sharing for the last several weeks about Bible application. And as we've been sharing this, we've been talking about how that that God pulled the children of Israel, I'm not going to go back into all of this, but how that God was in a relationship with the children of Israel. Uh, When he told them and brought them to Mount Sinai, he said, I am the Lord your God. And he was declaring, I'm in a relationship with you. And since we're in a relationship with each other, he brings them to Mount Sinai. And on the Mount Sinai, he gives them some guidelines. We call it the Ten Commandments, the law to live by. But he gives them some guidelines to live by. And, And of course, all they had known was slavery. All they had known was bondage for 400 years. That's all they knew. And so they they didn't even know really how to uh, conduct business, so to speak. They didn't know how to conduct their life because they always were under a taskmaster uh, that was hard on them and told them what to do. And so God brings them out of bondage just like he did for you and I when he saved us. He brought us out of slavery. He brought us out of bondage. He brought us out from under the power of sin and set us free. He liberated us. And then he gives us some guidelines to, to live by some principles that if we apply them to our life, it makes all the difference in the world. And, and of course, we took it from a passage of Scripture in the New Testament, James, where he says, do not be hearers of the word only, but be doers also. Do what it says. And we talked about how that application makes the difference, that if we apply the principles, we live it out in our lives, it makes all the difference in the world. And so today I want to look at a passage of Scripture found in Daniel the first chapter, Daniel, the first chapter, and, and just to kind of give you a little bit of background, you and I live in a culture. You and I live in a culture that baits us to the very edge of disaster. Now, I, I really want you to hear me. You and I live in a culture that baits us, that draws us to the very edge of disaster and then criticizes us when we step over the line. Have you noticed 
how that our culture markets to young people, how they market uh, different things to young people. How, uh, hey, in fact, have you been, has anybody, of course, I don't know if you've been shopping lately, but, you know, because of everything, but going, if you go to the shopping arenas, we used to call them shopping malls, but I don't think there's really that many malls anymore, not like there used to be. But if you go to the shopping arenas, you know, whether it's Belks or whatever store that you shop at, have you noticed how that uh, they, the signs that market young people's clothes or how the media markets its markets clothing and entertainment and how that a lot of the clothing that is marketed is explicit but yet they're marketing it but when a young person becomes pregnant then they criticize the individual why Because our culture baits us to the edge of disaster and then mocks them when they fall into disaster. That's the world we live in. Now, we talk about the young people. What what about us older folks? What about us men? Have you noticed how that our culture markets to men pornography, inappropriate internet sites, magazines, media, television, and they all bait us to the edge. And then when a man falls into a trap because of our culture, then our society is quick to criticize. I can't believe he would do that. I mean, what was he thinking? What is wrong with him that he would do something like that? I mean, he's a married man and got a beautiful wife, and yet he's done something so foolish. But yet the culture that we live in baits us to the edge. And then when a person falls, we get criticized. It's true. I mean, and then think about this. All of us entertain ourselves with affairs. Just about every show, just about every movie... Just about every book that you read entertains us with affairs. And then when someone has one, we are quick to criticize. We say, why would he or she do that? Really? It is because we are entertained almost every day with those thoughts. And the point is, society entertains us with these things, and then when someone takes the bait and acts that out in their personal life, then our culture is quick to criticize. You and I are constantly baited to the edge of moral disaster, and then when we step over the line, culture, we're criticized, and culture is not going to change. Did you hear me? Culture is not going to change because it's been going on for thousands of years. So today I want us to look at a passage of Scripture. And as we've been sharing on Bible application and do not merely listen to the Word and deceive yourselves, but do what it says, we understand that application makes all the difference. And when you and I apply God's word or God's truth to our lives, and you and I begin to walk in obedience, I want you to get this, it intersects with God's faithfulness, 
And something begins to happen not only on the inside of us, and we begin to grow and make progress. But just simply listening to the word is not enough. It doesn't bring change if you don't apply it. it don't, you don't make progress. It's not real. It's only when you apply it. So this morning, what I'd like us to do, I want us to have as fathers, as Christians, as young men, as young women, as middle-aged, as older people, I want us to have this thought that I am going to resolve, I'm going to make up my mind that I'm going to apply God's Word to my heart and my life, even if my emotions don't feel that way. Because I'm going to tell you, you and I are human, and we're full of emotions, and our emotions can deceive us and lead us astray. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can't rely and depend and move in the direction of our emotions. We've got to move in the direction of what does God say about this? I, I, I was talking to Canaan the other day, and uh, the conversation that I had with Canaan, I loved the conversation and what he said. He said, you know something? He said, I look at every situation. I look at every circumstance or every situation, and I view it through the eyes or the lens of the gospel. What if you began to do that? What if you and I began to view every situation through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What does God say about that? What does God say about what they're doing and what's going on over there and what's going on in society and what's going on in the marketplace? What does God, what, does, what if we begin to view every decision and everything that we participate in through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How would that change our lives? How, what kind of difference would that make? And so I want us to have this resolve that no matter what my emotion is, because I'm going to tell you today, we are so emotional by everything that we've heard and seen on TV and the media, you know, and, and we just, we, 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 we get fearful and anxious and, you know, even angry or, you know, upset and all that. And, and we're driven by our emotions. But listen, we, need, we don't need to be driven by our emotions. We need to be driven by the Word of God. What does God say about it? I mean, the world is saying, you know, we need to be afraid. But God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear. I have not given you that. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to live in society. You don't need to live in the world full of fear of what, 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 what's going to transpire. I want you to know you don't need to live like that. I don't want you to live like that. Because if you live in fear, it's going to suck the life out of you. And I don't want you to live like that. So what if we begin to see everything through the lens of the gospel and we begin to resolve, make up our mind that no matter what our emotions are saying, we're going to do it. I just have to be honest with you. I have made decisions in my life that I regret. Now, I'm a pastor, I know. Now, I have. I have made decisions based on how I felt, my emotions. Ask me how many vehicles I have bought in my lifetime. I'm looking back at my life and I think, Randy, that was dumb. That was dumb. 
You kept it six months and then you got rid of it. You kept it a year and you got rid of it. That was dumb. Look where you would be at today if you had not leaned on your emotions and you began to view your decisions through the lens of God's word. What would be different in your life today? Well, number one, I wouldn't have any car payments. But because I didn't, I've got two. Thank God I ain't got three. So I want us to begin to look at the Scripture and see what happens when you and I begin to have some resolve. In Daniel, the first chapter, the children of Israel have been taken into captivity. They have disobeyed God. God has not abandoned them. God, Listen, God never abandoned the children of Israel, just God, like God never abandons you. But the children of Israel kept rebelling against God, kept rebelling against God, kept doing their own thing, kept disobeying God, and, and eventually God said, okay, go ahead, do your thing. Go ahead, go ahead, just go ahead and rebel, go ahead and do your own thing. And God says, you know, I'm just going to turn you over. I'm going to let you follow those other gods. And God allowed them to be taken into captivity, into Babylon. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered, notice that, and the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Now, I, I kind of want to pause there for just a moment. The key, in fact, let me read just another passage. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Now, the purpose of this was to strip away the foundation of the Israelites. He wanted to strip away everything that they had learned, everything they had identified with, everything that they knew. He wanted to strip everything away, the, the Israelite culture, the Israelite God, the, 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 the Israelite worship. He wanted to strip everything away from them and teach them the culture of the Babylonians. Now, I need to pause there. Do you realize that's what's going on in our world today? That the enemy is trying to strip away our culture. He's trying to strip away our learning. In fact, I, I was listening the other day, and, the, and, I, and I heard this. Uh, uh, and please, I'm not trying to criticize, but let me show you what, what they're doing. There was a doctor that's on the task force with this corona thing, 
And the doctor made this declaration, well, we're not going to keep you from worshiping God. We're not, we're not going to keep you from going to church. We're not going to stop you. We realize we can't stop you. You have the freedom to go to church. But this is what we're going to tell you you need to do. Number one, you don't need to sing. That's what they said. She said, you don't need to sing. You don't need to have any song service. You don't need to, you don't need to worship because if you sing, you're going to spit out droplets and then you're going to, you know, affect everyone. So you, don't, you need to stop your worship. That's what she was saying. You need to stop your worship. And you pastors, you need to make sure your sermons are short. Yeah. And you're probably thinking, I wish he would follow that guideline. You need to continue to have your social distancing and all of that kind of stuff. And listen, I'm not trying to criticize, but I want you to see something. The culture of the world in which we live is trying to strip away the foundation of who we are and our worship of God. It would be okay with them. Some churches are not even able to open yet in America. They're not even able to have church yet. And it would be okay with them if we didn't have church anymore. They're trying to strip away the foundation of our beliefs. Now, you may say, well, you're just being a little oversensitive there. No. The purpose of this, what, what Nebuchadnezzar did, was to strip away their foundation, their culture, their faith, and, the, and culture them in a way the Babylonians lived and believed. And Daniel recognized this. And I want to make this statement I heard, I believe it was Andy Stanley made this statement. Living a life of compromise does not ease the tension or erase the tension. It only weakens our resolve. If you cheat once, it's easier to cheat the second time. If you compromise your resolve, it doesn't erase the tension. It just weakens your resolve. So let's read on. He said in verse 6, among those, among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. Why did he do that? He's trying to erase their culture. Notice. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar. Study what the name Belshazzar means. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Michelle, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel resolved. Daniel made up his mind that this is where he was going to draw his line in the sand. I don't care what the king says. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what my emotions say. I'm going to draw a line in the sand, and I have made up my mind that I'm going to walk in obedience to what God says 
even if I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to draw a line in the sand, and I'm not going to cross that line. I'm telling you, folks, there comes a time in your life when you need to make up your mind, you need to resolve that no matter what the world says, no matter what culture says, that you're not going to cross that line. You've got to do it. I preached a message, a series of messages years ago about boundaries, that you've got to set up boundaries, that you're going to set up boundaries in your, in your spiritual life, in your physical life. You're going to set up boundaries, and, and when you bump against that guardrail, as, uh, as I, I shared, you bump against that guardrail, you bump against that boundary, all of a sudden it's going to throw up a red flag. I'm getting too low, close to the edge. You need to set guardrails. You need to set boundaries. You need to draw a line in the sand that you're not going to cross over. If you don't do it, your emotions are going to drive you to do it or lead you to do it. Now, you young people, let me tell you something. It's important that in your... Boy, this is not in my notes. But it's important as young people... You see, you know, I used to be single. My wife said I dated everyone, and that's not true. I don't know why she said that. I did not. She said, Dan, I didn't. But listen, when I was a teenager, and listen, I was normal. Girls look good. My hormones were, they were, yeah, they were there. So I started dating. I enjoyed dating. Can I just be real with you? Can I just be real? Man, I love to kiss. <laughs> Don't I, babe? <laughs> yeah. Woo wee. <clears throat> I loved it. Still do but I just do one person now. <laughs> but up in my upbringing, I drew a line in the sand that I would never go beyond kissing. I would never do it. I drew a line in the sand. I said, I'm not going to do it. I believe that if I cross the line, it will violate my relationship with Jesus Christ. It will hurt my relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and I'm not going to violate that mark. I resolved. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I resolved that I wasn't going to do it. But boy, was I ever tempted. I just was. I was tempted. I mean, I, I'm not going to touch. 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 Just with my lips, and that's all. And lip to lip, that's it. No, nothing else. I'm not going to touch. Now, I'm not saying that to brag on myself. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I could have not done it. I could not have. I could not have. And I would not have. But God's grace was sufficient. I resolved that this is, this is my line. This is where I'm going. I'm not going to cross that line. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I didn't do it until I got married. I didn't cross that line. Was it hard? Yes, it was. But I made up my mind. And I'm telling you, folks, today, 
I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're middle-aged or old. You've got to resolve. You've got to make up your mind that you're going to draw the line in the sand and that I'm not going to, I'm going to view, I'm going to view every decision that I make, every action that I do, I'm going to view it through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to view it through God's word and and whatever God's word says, no matter what my emotions say, no matter what my feelings say, no matter what culture says, no matter what society says, no matter what the world says, I'm going to view it through the lens of the gospel and I'm going to make up my mind that this This is what I'm going to do, and that's it. And notice that Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself. This was the drawing line. This was the point. This was as far as he was going. Daniel, now hear me, Daniel made this decision before he knew what the outcome of his life would be. He didn't know what his life was going to happen. He did not know what was going to happen. He did not know what what was going to partake. He made this decision before he knew the outcome of what his life would be. He was not going to defile himself. He made the decision because he could predict that, that at the end of the story, if he didn't, he knew what was going to happen. He knew where it was going to lead him if he crossed the line. So he resolved. He made up his mind, I'm going to do what God says rather than what the king says. And you notice his attitude. He asked permission. And not only did he ask permission, he put God to the test. He did. He put God to the test. Let's, let's read. Now notice what he says. But Daniel resolved not to devile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God, notice that phrase, now God, oh, I love this. As you are evaluating the word of God, you know the thoughts that are going to go into your mind? If I do this, what am I going to miss out on? If I choose to view my life through the lens of the gospel, what am I going to miss out on? What fun am I going to not be able to participate in? That's what the, that, those are the thoughts that go through your mind. They do. Just be honest. But the, far, the part that we forget to factor in is the now God part. God will use his word not simply to protect you, but to direct you. Daniel's decision to draw a line was a theme that God used to direct his entire life. This was a defining moment in Daniel's life to which God used to direct his future. It was a defining moment. God used that decision, I will not defile myself. God used that decision not only to protect him, but to direct the future of his life. You and I, when we draw a line in the sand and we resolve, we make up our mind that we're going to view the word of God, we're going to view the gospel or every decision through the words of the gospel. When we make that defining moment, we make that decision, I'm telling you, God will not only protect you, but he will begin to direct your life. 
And you know, you and I have no idea what's in the balance or what hangs in the balance of our decision to start living by the principles of God's word. The decision to live by God's principles in our lives will be a defining moment where God will begin to direct your life. Now, God had caused the official to sow favor and sympathy to Daniel. Now, notice God, God was at work. And when Daniel made up his mind, God intersected. God began to intercede. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who is assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the younger men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young man who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. I love this. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel couldn't understand vision and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Dana, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about what the queen, king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and all enchanters in his whole kingdom. Do you see what began to take place? God was working behind the scenes, and Daniel did not even know it. But when Daniel made up his mind to live by what God said, God worked. God moved, and God directed. You see, the challenge for you and I today is simply to resolve that we're going to do it. I'm just going to do what it says. I'm going to view every decision and everything through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to view it through the, the principles that God has laid out in his life for me to live by. Everything. Every decision. I'm going to draw my line in the sand I'm going to resolve and make up my mind. The refusal to live by God's principles is not going to remove the tension. It's just going to erode our ability to say no. We must make up our mind before we even know the end of our story. Because if we don't, 
we can pretty much predict the end of our story. John Smith, are you here? John, would you come up here? I'm, I'm calling you out. I don't usually do this. John Smith came into my mind this morning as I was praying. I love my brother John. He's moving a little slower than he used to. Now, John Smith, if you've ever heard his testimony, and I, I'm not going to ask him to tell it today, but I want, I want them to turn around and look at you. Doesn't that seem to look good? How old are you? Yeah, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now, how old are you? 74. Man, I hope I look that good when I'm 74. I mean that. I don't just say that. I mean that. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you, if you ever hear the story of John Smith, John Smith didn't always know Christ as his personal Savior. He didn't always know Christ. He didn't always follow Christ. There were some things that John Smith did that he wished he hadn't have done. But there came a point in John Smith's life many, many, many years ago. I'm not saying that says he's old, but I'm just saying many years ago. He made a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And he yielded his life over to Jesus Christ. And once he yielded his life over to Jesus Christ, God delivered him from the slavery and bondage of sin. The things he used to do, he, didn't, he no longer wanted to do. He, I mean, God changed his heart. He changed his whole life. He turned him completely around. Now, I'm going to tell you, has John been perfect since then? No, not in the eyes of man. Not in his kid's eyes and not in the eyes of the world. But in the eyes of the Father, he's been perfect because of the blood of Jesus that was applied to his life. Jesus, or God the Father, saw John as a righteous man because of the blood. Not because of his works, but because of the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. But there came a point in John's life, if you ever hear his testimony, there came a point in his life when he started going to church. And every time there was a question, every time that he didn't understand something, every time that, you know, God would, you know, he would hear a message and, and he would hear this message and he thought, well, you know, I, I've never heard that before. You know what he would do? He would go back home, get his Bible out, and he would open up and he would say, God, now I want you to show me what the truth is. Show me your ways, Lord. Show what he was doing. He says, God, I want to view everything in my life through the lens of your gospel. I want to begin to view every decision, everything, the way I raise my children, the way I conduct myself on the job. I want to view everything in my life through the lens of the gospel. So, Lord, I'm going to open up the Bible. I want you to show me. And as he began to do that, God began to reveal himself to John. He began to reveal some guidelines for John to live by. He began to live, uh, reveal some principles for John to live by. And John decided, now, and I'm going to tell you, you don't always get it right the first time. You're not always going to get it right the first time. But John began to resolve in his mind, I'm going to do what God says. And I'm sure there were times in his life he didn't get it right every time. But boy, he began to make progress. But he resolved. And as he began to do it, God worked. 
God worked. In the mill, what, what, what was your job in the mill Not at the fir, at, when you first got there? Paper, what, was, what do they call that? Finish department. Rat roll, whatever that is. <laughs> rap roll. Oh, rap roll, okay. Rap roll. God began to speak to John early in his lifehood. And he said, John, there's a principle about tithing and giving. I want you to start tithing. Now, I'm going to tell you John's response, probably what his response, his response was like yours and mine. God, I can't afford to. I've got two kids. I, I can't afford to do that. But all of a sudden, there was a moment when he resolved, I, I, we're going to do it. We're just going to do it. We're just going to do it. We're going to do it. And so he started tithing. And right after, if I get the story right, right after you started tithing, God opened up an opportunity for him to go into the maintenance department and become a millwright. I started saying machinist, millwright. And of course, that bumped his pay up. What I'm saying is, when you resolve to do what God says, God works. God begins to intersect in your decision to, to view everything through the lens of the gospel. God begins to work in the background, and you don't even know it. And all of a sudden, you're making progress in your life. All of a sudden, you're growing and you're maturing. And all of a sudden, God is working favor for you from the world. God is what God gave favor to the man, or gave favor to Daniel, uh, uh, the, the Ashpenaz. He gave favor to uh, to Daniel because of God. God was at work. Now I'm going to tell you, John is retired now, but John was sharing just the other day was Saturday. The miracle that God did in his life just a few months ago. If you don't know, John was on his deathbed. He literally was bleeding to death, bleeding to death. And the doctor had given up and walked out of the room. I can't do anything else for him. But God. But God. You see, God had John in his hand. And God said, I'll never leave you, John. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be with you there to the end of the age. But God. And the doctor walked out of the room. And this is what the doctor said. I don't even know if this doctor is a Christian. I don't know. I don't know if John knows. But this is what the doctor said. There was a voice that told me to go back and try again. But God. Oh, I love that. Amen. Amen. God was at work. God was at work when John didn't know God was at work. The kids didn't know that God was at work. God was at work. But God spoke to the doctor and said, go back and try again. He said he went back and he began to try again. And for some reason... He was able to cauterize 
at just the right time and stop the bleeding completely. That was God. And look at John today. He's here. He's a testimony of how God divinely intervened in his life. And, and I'm going to tell you, you say, well, is that, because, is that because John chose to view everything through the, 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 the vision, I mean, the lens of the gospel? I believe it was. I believe it was. He chose to view life through the lens of the gospel, and he began to make decisions not based on what the culture said, but based on what God said. And, you know, I just use that tithe. I'm, I'm not picking on tithing. I, I'm talking about his whole life. Now, he wasn't perfect in every way, but he was making progress. And I look at the life of John Smith today, and I esteem him very highly. I do. I esteem him very highly because God has worked in his life. In fact, I've known John Smith for 30-something years. No. <laughs> Longer than that, Yes. 40-something years. John Smith is not the man he was 40 years ago. I believe his kids will tell you that. He's a different man. And the amazing thing about John is he views things differently than he did 40 years ago because he began to make progress and he began to study the Word and apply the principles to his life. And look where he's at today. God has blessed him. If God takes him home today, and I'm not saying today he's leaving. I'm saying if God takes him home today, he can say what? Well done. It's been a good life. God has been good to me. You see, what God does when you begin to do that, you resolve. God begins to work and intersect before you know what's going I, 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 Thank you, John. I, I know I had you stand up here, but I want people to see you. What if... What if today you resolve in your mind that no matter what culture says and what the world says, I'm going to view everything through the lens of God's Word. And even though I don't know the outcome of my life, even though I don't know the outcome of what's going to happen, even though I don't know it, I'm going to do it anyway. Do you know God begins to intersect in his faithfulness, and he not only protects you, but he begins to direct your life and your footsteps. Do you know the things? Listen to me. I'm telling you, there are pitfalls. There are pitfalls that the enemy had for me to destroy me. But God protected me and directed my footsteps. What would happen? What would God do with us if we walked by God's principles that become a matter of conscience? And you will never know until you do what Daniel did. Make up your mind and live according to his principles. And God will use the moral, the ethical standards in his word to direct your entire life and future. Future regrets may be avoided altogether if we choose to live by God's principles. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and have a life full of regrets. I want to get to the end of my life and, as John said, hear the words, well done, 
that good and faithful servant. I want to leave a legacy. Not a name, not a name, but I want to leave a legacy for my kids, for my grandkids, for those that I come in contact with. And the legacy is this. He had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of his relationship with Jesus Christ, he became the man that I want to become. I want to be like him because he lived his life like Jesus. Would you stand? Derek, would you come? I was wondering where you were at. So I, I want to challenge you today in this Father's Day to celebrate your earthly fathers, to worship your heavenly Father, celebrate your earthly fathers, give them a call. But I want to challenge every one of you today. Let this be a defining moment in your life. Let it be a defining moment where you resolve, you make up your mind that God, no matter what culture says, no matter what society says, no matter what my emotions say, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to live according to your principles. Because if you do it, God will intersect with this faithfulness and he'll begin not only to protect your life, but he'll begin to direct your life. That you won't live your life with a life of regrets, but you'll live your life with a life that you can look back on and say, if I had to do it over again, I'd do it again. It's been a good life. Father God, I thank you today for your love. And God, I know that this message is not one of those you shout over, but God, I believe it's a message that if we will apply it to our lives, that if we'll live by the principles of your word, that if we'll resolve and make up our mind that we're going to live, we're going to do what you say, we're going to view everything through the lens of your word and your gospel, every decision. God, if we do those things, God, I believe with all my heart that you not only will protect us because you want what's good for us, but God, that you'll direct our lives that we won't live a life of regrets, that we will not end up where we don't want to be, but God, that we'll end up, God, fulfilling our purpose and living a blessed life. So, Lord, I pray, God, that you speak to us. Lord, today, I want this to be a defining moment in every one of our lives, that from this point forward, that we're going to draw a line in the sand and we are making up our minds that no matter what, the world says or are my emotions I'm going to discipline myself to do what your word says that I'm going to do it I'm going to live by it and the God you said that when we make up our mind God that your faithfulness will intersect with us and give us the power to fulfill it in our lives God I pray speak to our hearts today I ask it in your name Jesus they're going to lead us in a song and I want this to be a moment of reflection. I want this to be a moment where we just kind of think about what Daniel did. If you study the life of Daniel, you'll find that Daniel was escalated in the kingdom of Babylonia. You'll find that he was very wealthy. You'll find that he was very popular. You'll find that he was very knowledgeable and wise. But he did not bow. He did not bow. He did not bow. He drew a line in the sand. He never bowed 
to the king's demands. He worked with the king. He worked under the king. He served the king. But God came first in his life. And God always, even in the lion's den, God took care of Daniel and glorified God the Father. Let it be a moment where we reflect and we make a decision. Lead us. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.